You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the 12th floor of 50 Pin Place in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the home of 1340 The Game and News Radio 1000 KTOK. Welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast. Sunday Sooners. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. And this is episode number one of Sunday Sooners. And let me tell you what I sort of envision for this podcast. This is the one that takes you from Sunday all the way right up to Lincoln Riley's press conference at noon Monday. So that is what it is designed for. So if you don't listen to it on Sunday and you're using this as your morning show or you're getting around to it maybe a little bit later, you're listening on Monday afternoon, that's good because all the content is designed to stay as fresh as possible. And we plan to podcast on Monday after Lincoln Riley's press conference and after we hear players speak, and we'll give you some of that audio and our reactions to that and look forward to the UCLA game. So that's what the Sunday podcast is really designed to do. Plus, after you've had all the instant reaction, I try and think things out a little bit better after I've had some time to kind of decompress, think about the game a little bit more, maybe even go back and watch it on DVR and um, try and maybe take you some places that maybe you haven't been taken as far as your OU reaction goes. So let's start with segment number one where we will hear from Lincoln Riley and his opening comments. He'll talk about the injury to Austin Kendall as well as Addison Gums. And I will tell you about the best redemption story on OU's football team. And it's not a player, but there's a clear redemption story, a bandwagon. If you want to jump on it now, you'd be extremely ahead of the curve. We'll tell you who that is. Also in segment number one, we will hear from Curtis Bolton on the block and the return punt. And then that will lead us into segment number two, where Lincoln Riley will update us on the center situation, where despite the play of both Creed Humphrey and Jonathan Alvarez, it doesn't sound like anything is locked down there. What does that mean for Bill Bedenbow in this offensive line moving forward into UCLA? And the one guy that we left off our poll yesterday, and we'll, we'll release the results of that in segment number three, but we have a poll that we put up every Saturday at the Locked On Sooners Twitter account. Then I retweeted at my account on GEEHSO. It's most valuable Sooner. And there was a guy that we definitely left off from yesterday who was spectacular that Lincoln Riley said said he had the most impactful plays on this game. Who is that guy? What Lincoln Riley had to say about him. Then in segment three, we'll tell you who the most valuable Sooner is. Plus, we'll talk about what a shambles of a day it was for the Big 12 outside of three teams. And they're probably the three teams you expected to play the best. My name is Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City and News Radio 1000 KTOK. And I'm also the co host of Saturday Game Day with Randy Renner. It airs every Saturday at 9 30 on 1340 The Game here in Oklahoma City, as well as around the state of Oklahoma on our fine affiliates on the Oklahoma News Network. And it's 30 minutes which we don't want to take up too much of your time because we know you want to watch the games. You want to be informed. You want to hear some opinions. 
And then you want to go kick back, have a few beers, and watch college football. So we make sure we get that taken care of for you. You can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. And if you're so inclined today, please go to 24-7 Sports and read my column on Mike Stoops. And I'd like to thank the guys at 24-7 Sports and OU Insider for printing that today. And yes, I will tell you there's a couple of typos, but... Hey, that's me. I was a broadcast major, not a print major. Segment number one now. Let's give some major, major kudos to the OU defense and that physically dominating performance over Florida Atlantic yesterday. None of us saw that coming. In fact, the reaction in the press box from one guy was that OU is exceeding expectations. But for the most of us, we thought Florida Atlantic would give OU a game and that OU would struggle trying to stop Florida Atlantic's run, which would open up the pass and allow one of Florida Atlantic's three quarterbacks to have a big day. And that was just not the case. Buki Radley-Hiles all over the field had a great day. Parnell Motley had a great day. The linebackers got to give got to give a major, major props to John Michael Terry and really Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, who stepped in for Addison Gums, who's out for the year, thought Kenneth Mann and Ronnie Parker played really well. And poor Mike Stoops. Now he's got to figure out a way to get that Jack linebacker in order. And hopefully Mark Jackson can play as well as he did because OU was pretty much reliant on Addison Gums. Or they were really relying on Addison Gums to step up and have a big year this year. But at least right now, OU looks like they have enough enough depth where if you lose one guy, you can just plug another guy in and he'll be able to just pick up the slack. That's what happened yesterday with Mark Jackson. And you just hope that's the case. You hope that what we saw on Saturday is going to be the norm for OU, but there's no guarantee of that. And when it comes to redemptions at OU, and look, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of players who have their own great comeback story. We've talked about Nick Basquin. Curtis Bolton, guys who have overcome injury, Kyler Murray, but nobody, nobody in the program is in more need of a redemption story than defensive coordinator Mike Stoops. And if OU's defense can just be a reasonable facsimile of what it was yesterday, maybe Stoops can work himself back into the good graces of Sooner Nation. You held Florida Atlantic to just 324 yards. Your starting defense pinched a shutout or pitched a shutout. They didn't score until the second unit came in. And by the time Florida Atlantic did score, it was way too late. And yes, we underestimated or overestimated what Florida Atlantic was going to be, but that is about as good a first start as you can get for game number one for OU. And not only was... The crowd impressed, not only were the media impressed, but Lane Kiffin, head coach of Florida Atlantic, was very impressed with what OU was throwing out there. I mean, I'd be shocked if that's not, I'd be shocked there's a better team in the country than what I saw today. Um, You know, defense much improved. You know, obviously that was their, you know, area of weakness last year comparable to the offense. And and those backs and receivers, the offensive line's big, so... Um, we shocked that teams only we playing those playoffs. Oh, you still has to play a Big 12 schedule. And after yesterday, that certainly doesn't look as daunting as it did going into Saturday. But he mentioned the defense. And the fact that we can just talk about Mike Stoops 
and the players that he has. And, and we can be excited about it now. Tells us that in a short amount of time, OU has done a much better job of recruiting than we've given them credit for. And they're doing a great job of developing players, the likes of which we haven't seen in quite some time. In fact, that's probably OU's best defensive performance on Saturday since the Ohio State game last year. And I don't want to overblow it. It was Florida Atlantic, and Florida Atlantic was extremely disappointing. But I can't think of a time since Mike Stoops has been back that you've seen the defense be that physically dominant. And that's a good sign. That's a real good sign. Plus, you've got the versatility of Caleb Kelly, where maybe you could put him in at Jack, and maybe he could be a guy that can contribute a little bit more on the out on the outside. Curtis Bolton had a big day yesterday. I mean, it just goes on and on for what OU is is at least bringing to the table in in week number one. It's a week to feel good about. Some questions got answered, and even if they didn't get answered you can feel much more optimistic than you than a lot of fan bases around the Big 12 can right now. Let's get to Lincoln Riley. Here are his comments. Here are his opening comments from the press conference from yesterday where he talks about Addison Gum and Austin Kendall, who suffered a leg injury yesterday. I'm very excited about not the win today. Um, it's a game that definitely had our attention. Uh, you know, I think we talked about Monday, our respect for Florida Atlantic. Um, it was one of those games where we got on a little bit of a run. Um, really proud of how we played first half, especially that, that kind of opening surge of you know, defensively, you know, holding them out even after the pers- personal foul penalty on the first drive. Um, offensively taking it, scoring, we stop them again. Then I think we get the pump block for a touchdown right after that, which was a kind of one of the big special teams plays that we've really been looking for. And uh, Lee Morris made a great play on it, blocked it, and I think uh, Curtis Bolton recovered. And there was just kind of a surge in energy from there. We just kind of rode that wave of momentum the rest of the way through. So very, very proud of the way we handled it. Um, and that's that's a good football team. They're going to win a lot of games. Uh, the back is really, really impressive. But we, we made it tough on him, which I think was the key to the game. If, if he starts getting loose in the throw game, he becomes more of an issue. So we, we made him the yards that he did get. We made him earn it, uh, you know, and I, that 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 was that was a big key to the game. Made them a little bit one-dimensional, and like I said, got on a pretty good run all three sides of the ball. So uh, excited about the win. Very much appreciate our home crowd. I thought the atmosphere the entire first half was really good, really electric. Um, our guys fed off of them. They fed off of our guys, and that's how it should be at a place like Oklahoma. The crowd should be great. The team should be playing well. They should feed off each other and create a great environment. And we absolutely had that today. So very. Very appreciative to Sooner Nation. Uh, injuries, don't know anything on Austin Kendall yet. We'll, we'll see how he's doing, uh, but optimistic. Um, one other one that I do want to announce, uh, our Friday practice, Addison Gums uh, had a uh, knee injury. He, he will, a uh, non-contact knee injury. He'll miss the season. Uh, so had to make some adjustments there, which we did. Um, I hate it for Addison because he was really coming on, starting to do some really nice things for us. Uh, but this is where our depth and all that has to show up. And so uh, we'll get him rehabbed and, and, uh, and get him back. So from there, we'll go with questions. 
We should know more about Austin Kendall on Monday after Lincoln Riley's press conference, and we will bring that to you here on the Locked On Sooners podcast as well as our YouTube page, which actually it'll probably be out on YouTube before we get a chance to get that audio to you on the Locked On Sooners podcast. But uh, in the fact that Austin Kendall can't play, then it looks like Tanner Mordecai is going to be the kid that will step in for Austin Kendall. He got a chance to play yesterday, and I think, and I'm not 100% certain on this, but I also think Tanner Schaefer might have got an opportunity to play yesterday too. And I know Lincoln Riley wanted to get both of them looks, even if Austin Kendall had been playing well, which he did, that he was wanting to work both of these guys in. And in talking to Michael Kenny yesterday uh, before the game about the whole situation with Austin Kendall, I still think that that is Lincoln Riley's biggest recruiting job this year is making sure that he wants to stay at OU. And even if there is only a year of eligibility left, if Austin Kendall wants to remain at the Division I level, he still might be inclined to transfer if he wants to play. Because if... Just say Kyler Murray comes back, then you've got to deal with Spencer Rattler and these other guys are challenging you as well. Then eventually you know what your place is. It's going to be a backup, and I don't think he wants to be a backup for the entire year. Lincoln Riley also mentioned special teams. They were incredible yesterday. You get a you, you did have a missed field goal from Austin Cyber, but you got a block punt. That sort of makes up for that. That gets returned for a touchdown. All three phases of the game, completely dominant. Completely dominant. Now it's just a matter of building off that and taking it into UCLA this coming week. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next, what did Lincoln Riley have to say about Kyler Murray and who did we leave off the MVS poll? We'll tell you about it on Locked On Sooners. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Sooners. Your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. Remember, for everything Locked On Sports, just go to LockedOnSports.com. You can get all our podcasts there. Be it Locked On Thunder, which I'm kind of fond of. Locked On Cubs. Locked On Knicks. Locked On Hogs. I think it may be called Locked On Arkansas. We've got the Kentucky, the Alabama podcast. So we've just got it. We just started all our college launches this past week. So if you're a college football junkie like I am, a lot of good people covering these sports, a lot of people with some incredible insight. They do some entertaining podcasts. Check them out at LockedOnSports.com. We've talked a lot about the defense. The offense looked incredible yesterday. The offensive line as a unit played extremely well. In fact, they didn't give up a sack. The offensive line did until that second unit came in. I was trying to watch center as closely as possible. I thought Creed Humphrey looked ever bit the physical 
ever but the physical beast that they made him out to be because that was the big thing they said about Creed Humphreys that he is more physical he's more athletic than Jonathan Alvarez and he certainly looked it but it's not to say that Alvarez didn't play bad and if you think Alvarez is going to continue to be the starter Lincoln Riley yesterday saying not so much but his consistency did win him the job and that opportunity against Florida Atlantic. He just was steady, you know. He's been very steady. It's a that, that battle is going to continue. You know, those are two really good football players. I, you know, been interesting. That's that's always one of the toughest positions to evaluate in game because it's not out there on the edge. But as efficiently as we played in both the run and pass game, I imagine they both played pretty well. But he's uh, he's steady. There's a lot of trust there. I think we really felt like going in the game. We could have started either one. Obviously, we got Creed in there fairly early. But Alvarez is he's done a great job, man. He's played a lot of ball around here and he's fought his tail off and it's good to see him you know good to see your seniors playing some of their best ball bill beatenbow's philosophy goes against everything that i have ever heard from any offensive line coach or any person that played offensive line which is you don't want to see changes throughout the year because that means guys are hurt guys either aren't getting all their assignments they're missing blocks and generally if you're having to make changes throughout the year then your offensive line isn't good. Bill Biedenbow and Lincoln Riley both seem very comfortable with this plug-and-play, no matter what the position is, even at offensive line. I've also been told that offensive linemen are, as, as a group, they're the most cohesive. It has to be the most cohesive. They have to stay together. That doesn't just seem like that doesn't seem like the case at OU. Somebody gets hurt, somebody else just comes in and picks up the slack, which, you know, we were saying on Friday, that's the way that it should be. It's just that's the one position group where you don't normally hear that. You want them all there all season long, but you just take Lincoln Riley's comments for what they are, and I get the feeling Creed Humphrey's eventually going to win that starting job, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Alvarez ends up playing left guard like he has at practice at some point setting the offense, helping out Creed Humphrey, and once that happens, and maybe you see Ben Powers go back in to play that position, but there's still some definite questions to answer. But it's hard not to give that unit an A. In fact, it's hard not to give any unit at OU an A for what they did on Saturday against Florida Atlantic. And when you start talking about the guys that made complete differences in the game, well, Kyler Murray answered a lot of questions yesterday people were wondering whether or not this dude could throw could he pick up the slack for Baker Mayfield he answered all those questions now there were a couple of throws that I wasn't exactly thrilled with there was one that Hollywood Brown bailed him out on that was sort of thrown behind and Hollywood Brown had just an incredible day yesterday but he did show his arm you know he showed his accuracy he showed his arm strength he showed his athletic ability everything we thought Kyler Murray was he proved that he is. Here's Lincoln Riley on Kyler Murray and his play against Florida Atlantic. He handled it well. I mean, there was definitely some nerves. I mean, there was everybody has nerves before the first game. It doesn't matter if you've coached for this long or had this many starts. You just you never know exactly what the first one's going to be like. And so, uh, even though he's played, and I'm sure that helped the fact that he's played here, that he started at at, uh, at Texas A&M, that that probably helped. But he was definitely there were some nerves. And uh, but our, our guys played well around him. Uh, he he played very well himself, very efficient, played very much within himself, uh, threw the ball well.
well. I think he really only missed one throw the entire game. Uh, little, uh, the little uh, ball on our sideline there. So I thought he was efficient, commanded our group, and did a nice job. And just like everybody else from OU, against better competition, and once teams get some film on Kyler Murray, they're going to figure out how to defend his receivers a little bit better. They'll figure out how to rush him, get him out of the pocket, maybe make him a little bit less comfortable than what he is at this moment. But that's not something that Lane Kiffin's defense could do yesterday. And I know that Lane is not in charge of the defense. He's an offensive guy, but certainly Florida Atlantic had no answer for Kyle. Hell, they had no answer for anything that, that OU had yesterday, even on special teams. MVS, all right, so our MVS nominees, most valuable Sooners, were the defense, Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray, and then, of course, Rodney Anderson. The guy that we left off that should have been on there was Lee Morris. This dude's not even on scholarship. And Lincoln Riley says that uh, Lee Morris was in fact the guy who made the biggest difference in the game. That was good. It's fun to fun to see it happen, fun to see it work. Uh, you know, Coach Beamer's done a nice job with that group. And like I said, Lee Morris has made a great individual play. Yeah, it wasn't even Lee Morris, that wasn't even his best play of about three minutes. Yeah, no kidding, huh? No, he catch and run he made was oh, phenomenal. No, he was probably individually probably had the biggest impact on the game of anybody. Yeah, the catch and run. I mean, it was such a competitive catch to begin with, and then the run after CD had a great block uh, down the sideline on it. Um, that was awesome. Yeah, he's he's uh, man, he's done a great job. Not his first time around here to show up and make some big plays in a in a big game for us. You gonna have to give him a scholarship at some point. Yeah, my land have to i'm gonna not have to i'm gonna get to at some point first of all on the block punt i don't know can we give lee morris credit for the block punt if the punter's foot never touched the ball second on that catch there was no reason he shouldn't have been tackled lee lee and riley's right that was a competitive catch but after that catch he should have been tackled i think it was more spectacular that after the catch he was able to get loose run get down the sidelines and go for the touchdown. And as far as that block goes, it led to a Curtis Bolton touchdown. Curtis Bolton on the block yesterday and maybe being a little bit surprised that he got an opportunity to score six. They tell me it's a block, so I'm like, okay. And, you know, I'm not the guy that was supposed to get the block. I'm not the guy that's supposed to get the scooping score. So, you know, I just run up there and try to blow up the shield. So I go hit the shield, and then next thing I know, the ball rolling, I see Lee. The dude is not even close to playing, and I see Lee just fly across. And then I'm trying to find the ball, and it's just worked out I was there first what, what was that like when you realized that you'd scored I mean, what was that moment like for you um, you know, it's great. It's uh, it's always great when you when you're a defensive player and you get in the end zone. Yeah. Regardless whether that be, I know it's on special teams, but um, you know, it's just it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It's not a feeling I get to experience too often. So. When was the last time you were in the end zone? <laughs> junior year, high school, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Junior year, high school. Was that a defensive touchdown? Strip sack. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and apparently it was a defensive touchdown. It was a scoop and sack, and sorry I cut off that audio there. But uh, everybody all smiles yesterday in the interview room afterwards. As you can imagine, OU is feeling very good about themselves and what what they've accomplished. And they're about to take on a UCLA team that has some issues at quarterback coming into this game, much like Florida Atlantic. Their starter gets hurt yesterday. There's one guy everybody thought was going to be the backup. He didn't get an opportunity to play. And now it's just a matter of keeping these kids motivated week in, week out. And I love the way that Lincoln Riley handled that press conference yesterday because 
this being only his second year as head coach, and probably this game far exceeded his expectations more than it even did ours, because as he said, Florida Atlantic had their attention. Well, he handled it like a pro that has been coaching for 10 years, or not just coaching, but been a head coach for 10 years. And it was, yeah, it was a nice win, but there are things that have to be worked on. This opponent, they had our attention. They weren't as good as we thought. And now you got to bring these guys back down to earth just a little bit and get them ready for UCLA and keep them focused. Because as we've seen with OU before, the, the having a great performance is usually followed up by a crap performance. And Riley has a tough task in making sure that that does not happen and become the norm the way that it has in the past here at the University of Oklahoma. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next, who is the most valuable Sooner according to you and what to do about the Big 12 and how much did the performance of the conference overall hurt OU or everybody else for that matter. This is Locked On Sooners, your team every Welcome day. Welcome back to the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am Eric G. Thank you very much for joining us today. Can I tell you what it means to me to have you listen to this podcast? Support us. Support all the Locked On Podcast Network at LockedOnSports.com. We're also available on Apple iTunes. We'll soon be available on Spotify. We're available on Google and Stitcher and Wow, you can subscribe to the podcast and you can get it on Twitter. There's so many different places to get locked on Sooners. Please um, take a listen to this podcast. Give me some feedback and um, we're just going to work to make it better and we'll continue to grow Locked on Thunder as well. So yesterday we had our poll out, the most valuable Sooner. We're going to do this every single Sunday for an OU game. So whatever the game is, we'll tweet out most valuable sooner. And I don't know what, in a case of a loss, I have not got that far. In case of a loss, what do we do if we're going to call the poll the most valuable sooner? But right now, 46% of the vote says that OU's defense was the most valuable sooner yesterday as a unit. Rodney Anderson, 23%. Kyler Murray, 18%. And Hollywood Brown, Only 13% of the vote. That surprised me. Considering the fact that uh, Hollywood Brown yesterday, just looking at the numbers overall, 133 yards, one touchdown, and uh, let me see, what was that? Is that, yeah, no, it was the final statistics. And uh, six catches for 133 yards and um, one spectacular catch that that certainly helped and bailed out Kyler Murray. I thought he was great. I thought the receivers overall were great. I wanted to see more of Drake Stoops. That was kind of disappointing yesterday. I thought we would see more of him, but what we did see, he made a great catch. When he blocked, he looked physical. I'd like to see him get a little bit more playing time throughout the year and um yeah I think it was about it I th- think he was the only one I was a little disappointed in and I'm not wasn't disappointed in him I just wanted to see more of what he had to offer and as far as the big 12 goes yesterday what an absolute crap show from this conference Kansas losing nickel state K-State struggling with South Dakota Iowa State luckily they didn't get to play maybe 
Lightning strikes kept them from playing South Dakota State. Texas Tech go gets beat or goes down to Houston, gets beat by 20 to Ole Miss, and that game was a pick 'em. I did see one line that had Texas Tech favored by two and a half. They had a chance to make the biggest statement of anybody in the Big 12 to announce that they were back. They could have beaten an SEC school. Didn't happen. Texas, Sam Ellinger throwing an interception late. You had some weather delays there, but losing for the second straight time to Maryland, 34-29. to Only OU, Tennessee, or not Tennessee, only OU, West Virginia, and TCU seem to really live up to expectations. You can argue that Oklahoma State did. But I thought Oklahoma State, for as good as they looked in game number one against Missouri State, after after having a chance to watch the rest of the conference, there's definitely some things that they've got to work on. And I'm not quite sure that Taylor Cornelius is necessarily the guy that they need there at Oklahoma State to compete for a Big 12 championship. I could be completely wrong, but overall, I mean, if you're grading the conference yesterday, the best you could possibly give it was a C or a C plus, and that's only because OU, TCU, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State had really good games. And um, if that continues, it would very easily be if that continues. And the Pac-12 proves to be a better conference, and we know how good the Big Ten is and the leverage that the SEC has with the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Is there an opportunity that a one-loss Big 12 team gets left out in the cold and you see maybe two Big Ten teams or two SEC teams like you did last year. and Maybe it's a situation where only three conferences are represented again. The rest of the conference got to pick up the slack, especially Texas. That's why I said on Friday, everybody's stretching on them. They want them to be good, but ultimately, they just aren't. That wraps up this episode of Locked On Sooners. We'll be back on Monday giving you the latest on the Austin Kendall situation as well as some of the comments about Lincoln Riley and any information about OU all mixed in with our opinions. And that's Locked On Sooners. Until then, everybody love everybody and peace, love, and Boomer Sooner. You are Locked On Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.